0: I'm Virginia Schuette. I'm the Hank merkel and this is Meteor, the honest podcast about science communication with impact. Two years ago, we started this podcast because we needed an advanced user space to muse and strategize and chat with all of you, and the world is really different today from back then. So this season, we're just doing it. We are leaning hard into talking about systems of science communication, what we love, what we are working to change, and how trying to change things through SCICOM shapes our work and fuels our rants.
1: Applications are now open for SCICOM STEP. STEP stands for Sparking Transitions for Experienced Professionals. It's a professional development program we made for beyond beginner science communicators. More information is on our website. Apply today and tell your friends. And you should know that our last episode is going to be an open Q&A. So send us your questions, your ideas, your puzzles, and your dilemmas by December 1st so we can include as many of them as possible in that last episode. If you want to
0: know more, trust us in your inbox. We won't send you too much email, we promise. Or you can follow us on social media.
1: Bethann, I'm coming in hot with a question. How do you deal with your line of work being seen as inferior by folks and systems you have to work with? Flip them the bird and keep (laughs) moving. so fast. You rattled that right off. Okay, listeners, if you weren't prepared for us to like yell a little, I'm gonna say that question again, and then tell you why we're talking about this today. How do you deal with your line of work, science communication in this case, being seen as inferior by folks in adjacent systems who you have to work with? We are not asking this question at the beginning, so we can just yell to each other for 15 minutes though that would feel really good (laughs) we've definitely done that on the side we don't want to do it like for you what we want to do here when we're doing the barbie thing we are naming the thing that we see to take away its power and then i'm going to ask us at the end what we're going to do about the thing we're naming so that question one more time how do you deal with science communication our line of work Being seen as inferior by folks in adjacent systems that we have to work with. And every time you ask that question, I want to say
0: the same answer again, but also (laughs) other things. And I can acknowledge a truth about myself. You know, people say fight, fight, or freeze. I'm Mm. all fight. Oh. Always have been. Love it. Not always completely positively oh. adaptive in my relationships. Ooh. in the world. don't, or even, don't love you know it.
1: Sometimes even, love
0: it Yeah, even you know like the degree of tenseness of my neck muscles. <laughs> but it's just a real thing. and and so honestly, I have to talk about it. That's how I deal with it. I can't necessarily always talk to the people who don't value the work because I may not have the right words for them or almost guaranteed don't have the right tone. (laughs) But I talk through things to think through things to get me to some level of clarity in what I actually need to say or do about something. So I really have to talk about it. I basically can't understand how to act to make it different or better until I can get words around what the
1: actual problem is. So we want to kind of restate what we're seeing that led to this question, um, in case some of y'all haven't interacted with people like this, or again, to, to take away some of its power by taking it from a giant nebulous threat to like something real. So what we have seen in our careers, especially now that we're pushing on systems and building programs, is that uh, so much of science communication is considered to be service work by people in the most populated STEM systems. And we've talked this season on the podcast about how a lot of the funding for science communication work comes from people who are not science communicators. So then we end up in the situation where the people who control the funding that makes science communication possible often see it as Service work to be done on the side, and I know <laughs> you are making so many faces. <laughs> so I'll give you like another rocking. prompt. I, I am rocking over prompt. here. Why in don't my you chair. specific? Here's a specific prompt for you. I'm gonna aim this dart. Um, why don't you tell me, Bethan? About we talked earlier today about service work versus non-promotable work. Could you tell me about that? Okay, so.
0: I don't know if we actually talk about that this much on our podcast, but I read a lot and I come like running back to Virginia with, hey, 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 the latest book I read and the things it's getting me to
1: think about. I love it. Right. Because I don't read that much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I read sci-fi. I don't read the stuff you read.
0: (laughs) Well, I guess I'm reading science fiction, but it's more in the horror genre because it's like,
1: and I'll say why.
0: (laughs) I don't read horror. I can't handle it. But. The latest book that I read that's, like, really got my brain cranking is this book called The No Club, and it's by a quartet of women. There used to be five of them. But anyway... Whoa,
1: they... that's an untold story.
0: <laughs> it is. Skip right I'm, over it. <laughs> I'm going to plug this book so many times without telling you very much about it because you really need to... <laughs> trust me, you really need to read this book. I'm telling everyone about it. The, the basic idea here is that when we talk about science communication or... Mentorship, or like intervention, and like sort of quiet or invisible mentoring, and all these different things that we definitely are doing in academia, and are often doing in academic and adjacent environments, as long as we're aligned with science. So, psychom, uh, basically we call it service. It's like the nice stuff that needs to happen that somebody should do. So, thank you very much for doing it. And oh, it's gonna be just fine if you spend like seventy percent of your time doing it as long as you get your real work done but when we take this frame that these really accomplished researchers did in the no club book and we call things non-promotable work we are making that bullshit explicit basically we are saying this is work that our organization or our society or our profession needs we need somebody to do it and we aren't going to give you any credit for it. And on top of it, the people that aren't doing that work, we're going to promote them and give them a whole bunch of credit. We might even protect their time better than we're going to protect yours. But
1: still, we totally need you to do this stuff. So what you're saying is strip away the niceties of calling it service and own up to not valuing the work by calling it non-promotable work.
0: Right. It makes it a lot harder to look somebody in the face and say, I think you should be doing this so that
1: somebody else doesn't have to do it.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, there you go. Okay, so then the question we're asking is if science communication is often done within systems that view science communication as non-promotable work, Mm -hmm. (laughs) how do you deal with that?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so I I can give you a couple of examples when I advise other people I what I really want everybody to do is like academic mission statement level stuff like Mm -hmm. discernment stuff I don't care what book of woo woo feel good self-help you need to dig up to do this I think every version of it will get you there we of course have our own that we facilitate through step and I do in my courses that I teach and things like that but my bottom line is that you have got to get square with yourself on what matters to you It's basically what we were just talking about in a previous episode about systemic metrics. But what are those metrics for you? What Mm. do you care about? What does success look like for you? How do you know if you're being successful? And then, this is where we use our science communication advanced skills for our own good. How do we calibrate that so that it's legible to other people? And we have to be accountable to ourselves. We are going to have to say no, right? Like So for... For an example for me, I'm part of an organization that expects service, it's in job descriptions and everything, but there was no tracking, there was no attention to fairness or equality of allocation of all of this service work. So I took some of the tracking into my own hands, in part because I wanted to clarify for myself what my own commitments were, and in part because I wanted an understanding of whether my commitments were the average or whether I was way out of line with how much I was signed up for. And my kind of background tracking stuff confirmed basically all the hunches. I was massively overdoing it. People with the least job security were doing the most, you know, fairly predictable outcomes of things. But we also don't have a mechanism in this environment for ever scrutinizing this let alone redistributing things, except for by voluntary, you know, hey, pick me instead, kind of things. And so the people who are protecting their own time, whether it's just strategic or selfish, doesn't even matter, they're not gonna sign up for this if they haven't signed up for it already. So some things were clicking for me, like what do I do when this stuff isn't valued? Well, one, I wanna make it legible. I wanna make it visible. I think another layer of it for me is acknowledging whether there's some sort of self-damaging pride involved. Hmm. Like, I wanted people to know I was doing a whole bunch of important work. Oh, wow. But it turned out that it really didn't matter. Wow. Like, nobody was looking at this stuff, right? Yeah. And it was all, as we've been saying, unpromotable work, which is, like, coded to not valued work. So it didn't really matter that I was doing too much unvaluable work, right? Right, And and so I I had to look, for myself at least, really seriously at how much of that stuff
1: I wanted to be committed to because it didn't matter to anybody but me. So your start then for addressing this in this one particular aspect was to do what we're doing today, which is name it and define it and contain it. And then I think that led to some self-reflection on your part, it sounds like, so you could decide how you individually were going to move forward, plus naming it, defining it, containing it meant that I don't know what you're going to do with this, like, tracking yet. I don't know if you know what you're going to do with it I'm not quite sure what to do about that yet. But now you have this tool that you could use to name it, define it, you know, contain it um, in front of other people and... If you ever wanted to kind of bring that forward. So I like that. So I like the idea that you did in this situation what we're doing right now, which is not letting things just spin uncontrollably. You, you locked it down and you like said, wait, no, what's gonna... actually happening exactly. here? Let's do this in a way that we can discuss. Right. Yeah. So how
0: would you well deal with that though so I was because you're in such a different professional environment
1: yeah so I, I am and I run in di- different systems I think kind of kind of than you do um so two things I'm thinking of and um w- the initial response that I was thinking of is that I am way less polite than I used to be but I'm <laughs> so I'm, I'm disagreeable in a polite way <laughs> <laughs> i think how I would phrase it. So I was with a client today and the client was like, I'm going to paraphrase here. I don't know what your job is, which is like understandable because... Wait, they said that? I mean, I'm paraphrasing. No, what they said is that they had an opinion about how the media should be done and I disagreed because their job is not media. So they didn't know the landscape like I know it. And so for me, what I heard is, I don't understand your job because my job is different from yours. And so but I'm going to tell you how to do but yours. But I'm going to tell you exactly. And so what I did is just like it's it's that whole applying SciComm 101 in service to myself and my career. So what I did is I found the point that we did agree on. And I said, you're exactly right about that. We totally agree. And then I used that as a jumping off point to say a bunch of things we didn't agree about at all. But I framed them as if they connected logically to the thing we did agree on because to me they did. Connect logically. So what I did is I found the point that we agreed on, and then I just said the things the way I thought they should be, but I connected them back to a point that we shared in common. So I am very disagreeable, but I'm polite about it. And I'm not sure that at an earlier stage of my career, I would have just said it. I would have been like, well, yeah, maybe I'll make a document convincing and scientific evidence. Now it's like, no, listen, why are you paying me to be a media expert and advisor for you if you're not going to take my expertise and advice and do something with it. And right. so, and and the consequences were, you know, like it's scary to do that. It's scary to like, you know, make that <laughs> statement out loud like that. But at the same time, you know, it's easy to, you know, we talked earlier about the imagined threat of if you do something that feels contrarian in your career he didn't care that i had said a point we agreed on in my opinion cuz he did hire me to do media stuff for him and so right so it, it, there was no like it was just fine but i'm not sure i would have had the confidence earlier in my career to even make that kind of a statement right or even the
0: space to do it right like mm-hmm. this particular client i'm a little bit aware of some of the background on it and it's the kind of gig you're probably not going to lose because of your current yes expertise yes. and professional history and yes. things like that. But if you had gotten a hold of a client like that in the past, it might have been a little bit more of a we'll try each other out kind of situation. Yes. You know, the, the contract might have been more tenuous, it might have been shorter term, it might have been way higher risk for you to speak up. And I think that that's a central central element of this whole how do we deal with people who disrespect or don't value Mm -hmm. us because of the work that we do or possibly because of who we are, right? You're also a woman. If you had been a man Mm -hmm. in that room, with a PhD, and those opinions about media, you might have
1: been heard differently. Mm. I don't know. On the other hand... you can't know. Right. On the other hand, I'm a cishet white woman, and so if I had been other axes of diversity, you're exactly right. I actually think this is a really important point because we're talking about... You know, again, the season is about systems. And I'm thinking about operating in systems that don't exactly get us the way that we want to be gotten. And I think it's important to remember that that doesn't make people bad. And it doesn't mean that they are even on purpose or even realizing that they're doing it. So I don't think this person thought to himself, well, she doesn't know what she's talking about. And I sure do. I think it's just that his background is so different from mine that without being steeped in the media landscape, he just can't know. Right. And so I think remembering that he's not trying to be mean or undermine or, like, do any of the bad things, but he just doesn't know, I I think that's actually really important for, like, (laughs) it feels really good to yell about this stuff with you, with Pierce, but I don't feel like yelling at him because I don't think that it harms me for him to misunderstand and Maybe I think that, your ego a little, Oh, right? my ego's but. for sure, Bruce, because I need to be recognized as... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're yeah. saying that like that, but, like, that is... I think that is one of the layers it, that gets us in that's this, true. right? It's, this, it's not
0: just, I can't believe these people that I thought I shared values with don't actually yeah. it's also like how dare you you asshole oh I'm gosh
1: <laughs> right well I will say that the reason you have some background on this client is because it is frustrating to work with them the right. pace at which we move forward is slower but I feel like personally like sure it's frustrating but the personal harm done to me like I don't need to yell at this person because someone is unsafe. Right. Referencing back to our make a stink episode from right. a while ago, you're, right. you're not necessarily
0: at risk here. And again, right. Other people might be in similar circumstances and they might need to deal with it differently. They might need to stand up and say, oh, I yeah. am moving away. Yes. Because this is the end of this. Right. Right. Like I can't be here anymore yeah. for whatever reasons. And I think I think we're coming into something that, to me, feels intensely important, and I also got from a book. Yay! <laughs> it's this other wonderful book
1: called Good and Mad, and... <laughs> Wait, I'm going to interject here. Listeners, this is exactly what it's like to be Bethan's true friend. This is such an honest... When we say the honest podcast, this is what our conversations are like. It's like we yell at each other, and then Bethan brings in something from a book, and it's brilliant. So, <laughs> all right, please, continue. So, this <laughs> book is also really getting my
0: attention, because as I said a minute ago, I'm all five and I am acutely aware that most of the time that's not actually helpful, mm-hmm. right? The, the indignation, the kind of righteous fury and yada, 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 and all of that. If I can channel it, it's great. If I can't hang on to it in the moment, it is, I usually just escalate things. Oh. Right? Like that's personally <laughs> devastating and professionally really not helpful. Also devastating <laughs> in its own way, right? And, and this, this, this book was getting into the author of this book was getting into this specific thing about how we all about like there was all this media framing of Maxine Waters reclimbing her time as this like go power like incredible how icy calm she was etc etc and there was this the 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 reframe that was super important for me was that, that she could not afford to be anything but icy calm. Mm. because she would have been reduced by not just her political competition but by the media through sensational headlines and clickbait and stuff to be catty or emotional right. or whatever and and I think part of what that question about how do you deal with this level of dismissal of who you are professionally that really matters is that some people's anger gets to be virtuous and charismatic and compelling and a call to action. And some people's anger doesn't even get to exist. And that is so not okay. Yeah. Right? And and it's not that you need to yell at that guy. But why can't you?
1: (laughs) But why can't I? I will say, as a constructive response... I think what we are naturally doing and what we know from social justice and activism spaces is that you need spaces with people that identify with your axes of diversity and they understand your perspectives where you can be completely yourself and let loose. And and I say we're doing this naturally because we'll yell to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, But we need this is why I feel like we talk about this every episode, how community is so important for keeping you in the game in the long term for what it takes to build programs and systems so yeah I, th- I think I've talked about this a lot with some other
0: women that I'm trying to you know build a new construct with at work sometimes we feel like our monthly get-togethers are just like dinner and bitch sessions
1: mm-hmm.
0: and sometimes I worry that that has the potential for kind of fatiguing people and making uh-huh. them not want to come into that community regularly anymore. But we had a detailed conversation about that a couple of months ago and one of the things that we came down to was, no, we absolutely have to have this safe place to complain and to rant because, not because we need something that's cathartic, right. but because it, I need, you need, we each need people who can tell us the things that we are mad about are justifiably infuriating. Mm-hmm. Right, that that it is morally reasonable to be enraged, right? That it is completely within our bounds to be deeply, deeply upset, right, right? We don't get to say those things to anyone most of the time. And it I think it's one of the vital things about our friendship and one of the vital things about some of these other relationships that I have, that there is a place where I can be wholeheartedly, and not be told i need to calm down and not be told i might
1: be overreacting and not be told i'm taking it too personally i would add that many of the ways we are phrasing this echo what we know from people who are marginalized and most vulnerable in our society they are operating in systems every day not built for them run by people who don't get them and so i would say in this context then if you have identities that make you extra marginalized, extra vulnerable, extra like able to, for people to dismiss you, uh, according to some of our societal values, um, it is probably extra important for you to find and have that community. You probably already know that. But this is one of the things I talked about in a recent SciComm Office Hours, is where to find sci- uh, SciComm communities that serve you If you need help finding community like that, in SciComm specifically, please reach out to us. We would love to help you find that so that you can feel safe and cared for. Yeah. So, over to you, listeners. Tell us, what's a systems issue that you just need to name right now? You've been listening to Meteor, the honest podcast about science communication with impact to join this conversation. Tell us what you think about putting
0: words to the hidden problems. You can holler about that on social media or you can submit a note, use all caps in the subject line if you want to. (laughs) (laughs) Our website is meteorpsycom.org. Talk soon.